0: And being a young church, we don't have a lot of uh, major traditions, Uh, but I want to start a new tradition today, okay? New tradition, we're going to do this every year from now on, and that is on Super Bowl Sunday, Uh, unless the Chiefs are in it, then we'll do something really crazy, well, uh, probably Jesus will come before that, but... But on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, we're going to have this cooler full of Gatorade over here at the side. If I make a really great point that you're just like, man, that is awesome, you just feel free to come up and grab that and dump that over my head, all right? I'm kidding. It's not really full of Gatorade. But I thought that would be kind of fun. Wouldn't that be fun to do that in the summer? Uh, Not today. Well, anyway, listen, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, Last week we started a series uh, through the book of Philippians. And as I said last week, and some of you were like, well, that was kind of a funny joke. It wasn't really a joke. We do a lot of stuff in the Philippines. In fact, we got a group of people that are uh, going there in September. It's not too late to get in on that uh, mission trip to the Philippines. Uh, But if I make a mistake sometime during the day and say Philippines instead of Philippians, I know the two are different, and I know where they are and all that stuff. I just may slip out that way just because of my uh, familiarity with them. But uh, uh, I do want to remind you of a few things as we go through uh, the first chapter today, a little bit of the first chapter. Remember, Paul was in prison at this time. He's uh, probably in Rome. I mean, 99% sure he's in Rome, uh, and uh, he's writing to the church at Philippi. And this is a very different book than all of his other writings. All of his other letters to churches are written in response to some kind of a problem. There's something going on in that local church that's an issue, a doctrinal problem, a a relationship problem, something going on, or in several cases, many something's going wrong. And he's writing to them about correcting, making a correction. He's not writing uh, anything as a correction to the Philippians. This is a great church. He's already commended them for their love for one another. He's going to commend them through the book uh, on a several other things. Uh, but uh, just so you know that that's kind of the, the the thought process of Paul's writing. Also, I mentioned last week, and I'm going to mention for several weeks in a row, uh, this entire book. Entire book is only 104 verses, so you can read this in really a matter of minutes. A day, and so I want to encourage you. You may not have time uh, every uh, day to break out a Greek New Testament and uh, have a a two-hour study period to do that, uh, study these passages. uh, But you do have enough time every day to read through this entire book of just 104 verses. So I want to encourage you to do that Uh, today. uh, We're going to continue this, uh, uh, you know, kind of theme of no matter what. And as you see there on the screen, we've titled the series "No Matter What." So something no matter what, and today we're going to talk about the gospel advances, no matter what. We're going to see that Paul uh, is writing, and he's not going to be uh, writing any you know, great doctrinal things, hey, Philippians, make sure you believe this, believe these things. He's not, uh, of course, as I said, not writing to them to correct some behavioral issue, uh, but I want us to see that Paul shows kind of, kind of lays his cards out on the table and shows his attitude today. And I want us to say, wow, that's a great attitude in life. It's a great perspective in life. And so uh, we should adopt his perspective. And so uh, let's look at the entire passage we're going to look at today. It's Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Uh, Here's what it says. And by the way, we use the uh, ESV. Some of you uh, ask occasionally. We use the ESV version here in our services. Paul says this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So we see here that Paul has a perspective of life. And we talk about it a lot of different ways. We, we've talked before about having different lenses in my glasses. If I got, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses, I would see the world in a rose-colored way. If I got glasses that uh, were tinted, I would see the world as much darker than what it really is. Uh, the way that we see life, the lenses that we look at life through, color the way our, we look at everything in life. And Paul's really giving us a glimpse at what his lenses are today. And the first principle we, we see is this establish and maintain a gospel-centered perspective. Let's go back and look at verse 12 and 13 and think about this. Think about uh, what's most important in Paul's life. Think about what perspective he's looking at life through. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial, imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Wow. Now, I always, as I, as I read, especially letters and things like that, I always try to, it just kind of helps to kind of put yourself in this guy's uh, position. You know, you always want to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So I was thinking, if I was Paul, uh, what would I be writing? And, uh, of course, I, I, I looked on the Internet for a picture of Paul in prison, but I, I couldn't find one. Uh, and, uh, you know, but this was not like Prison. There's no cable TV. There was no workout room. I mean, when we get the idea of prison today, we say, okay, you're confined. You're in an air." But, I mean, this is not prison. This is prison. All right? Now, if I were in Paul's shoes, I'd be writing things like, hey, church at Philippi, get me out of here. Get the church together. Raise bail money. Send me a file and a cake. Do something. Help me. Get me out of here. I'm afraid that my whole focus might be on my situation and how to change or get out of it. Now, let's be honest for a minute. When we are in tough situations, tough circumstances, don't most of us have a tendency to just view those circumstances? Don't most of us fall into the trap of just looking at the situation around us and discovering how do we change it, how do we make it better? Even the most positive of us, We're like, okay, this is a bad situation. How can I make it better? Paul doesn't think that way. Paul's whole focus is from his gospel focused perspective. He states that his imprisonment has helped the advance of the gospel. His biggest concern in the whole world is how this situation has affected those around him and how the gospel has advanced. Isn't that interesting? We don't see him whining and complaining. We don't see him asking for relief somehow of this terrible situation. He doesn't even ask them to pray for him in his situation. He doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm going to be really godly and spiritual right here and just ask you all to pray for my situation, and I will wait here till Jesus uh, gets me out of here. He doesn't say those things. He's like, this is really awesome. Because by being put in prison, I've got to share the gospel with the entire imperial guard. All of them have heard the gospel simply because I've been put in prison. This is really cool. Well, that's a very different perspective than most of us have, isn't it? It's a very different perspective on life. But I would say it's a pretty good perspective to have. And by the way, Paul had a really really good excuse to be focused on the situations of life. Paul wasn't a complainer, and he doesn't complain anywhere in the scriptures. But I do want you to look at uh, 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 2 Corinthians chapter 11 because in a few verses here, I think uh, verses 24 through 28, he talks about his situations in life, the things he's been through. If anybody has, uh, listen, I know you may have, you've gone through some tough things. Some of you have gone through some really tough things. I've gone through some tough things in life. I don't think any of us compare it to what Paul's gone through and he's not whining and complaining about it. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. If your math challenge, that's 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. I mean, Paul had been through a lot in life, folks. If anybody had a reason to whine and complain, it was Paul. And he was saying, now after all of that, after I've been through all of this terrible stuff in life, now I've been put in prison. Cool! Because I get to share the gospel with all these imperial guards that otherwise I would have no connection with. I, I, wouldn't, even know, I wouldn't even have a way to get to know them or connect with them. That's a pretty cool perspective. That's, and I would, I would venture to guess that probably most people in this room have not gone through the things that Paul went through. Have you ever been accused of being obsessed with the gospel? I mean, you could say, well, you know, the thing about Paul is, he's just got a one-track mind. Yeah, he does. And that's the advancement of the gospel. By the way, uh, we're talking about the gospel, not every religious issue in the universe. We're talking about the reality that we are sinners, that we can't do anything to fix our own lives, that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins and by putting our faith and trust in Jesus and what he did, we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and be in a right relationship with God and be connected with him for the rest of our lives and all of eternity. It's the things we just sang about, I believe. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But have you ever been accused of being obsessed? I, I was once in college. My roommate accused me of always talking about the Bible and the gospel. He said, you know, Michael, you just can't talk about anything else but the Bible and the gospel. I mean, it seems like you worked that into every single conversation. He was not a believer, and uh, I, just, I, I just talked about it a lot. Now, here's the good and the bad of that. That's a huge compliment that I was uh, accused of being obsessed with the gospel. The bad part about that is that was a really long time ago. A really long time ago. Does anybody ever, and I'm not talking about being a weirdo, folks. Okay? Uh, I'm not talking about b- being, you know, like, goofy. And, and you know, really like, hey, somebody goes, hey, how are you doing today? And you go, hey, uh, great. Do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about being, like, in their face all the time and goofy. I'm just saying, is it such a point, does it permeate every area of our lives to where we can't help but just ooze the gospel? Now, here's the sad part. My wife and my kids have never accused me of being obsessed with the gospel. I have never had to apologize to my wife and my children about neglecting them because of the gospel's sake. And I probably wouldn't apologize for that. But probably for many of us, we have had to say at times, wow, uh, uh, I'm sorry that I have my head in the television so much. I'm sorry that I've I'm on my iPhone so much or whatever phone you have. I'm sorry that I'm uh, in this hobby or on my computer and I'm sorry that I've neglected you because of these other things. I guess my question is we get caught up in all these other things and neglect some really important things, but do we ever get caught up in the advancement of the gospel like that? Has your spouse or your children ever said, you know, Daddy, Mommy, um, I just wish you'd spend more time with me. It seems like you're always praying. It seems like you're reading your Bible all the time. And I'm not talking about not having balance in life. There's balance in life. But here's what I'm saying, folks, is for most of us, the gospel and the advancement of the gospel is a side note. It's a footnote. It's something we think about and do with our extra time. I think Paul's perspective is, is probably the right one. And that is that it should be in our thoughts all the time. That we should see the world and see the situations in life through the lens of does this or does this not advance the gospel. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. In fact, I would say that the important, one of the important reasons for that is that the gospel-centered perspective is infectious to others. Is infectious to others. Uh, look what Paul says in verse 14. He says, And most of the brothers, meaning believers, have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. They're much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now this goes against our human thinking, doesn't it? Because most of us would think, Wow, if I was a Christian back in the day, I'd go, Whoa, listen, be careful. If you talk about the gospel too much, you'll wind up like Paul in prison. He's saying, No, guys, it doesn't work like that. It works just the opposite. Almost every way that we are human thinking thinks, God's view is upside down from our humanness. God is spiritual. We are fleshly and sinful. And the reality is, Paul's saying, look, we are always affecting and infecting, and I mean that word legitimately, affecting and infecting those around us, like it or not and me being in prison for the gospel's sake has emboldened other people to talk about the gospel. It hasn't discouraged them like we might think. They're more excited about sharing the gospel. They're doing it more. You know, I'm always uh, uh, kind of uh, amazed by some pro athletes when they get drafted and things go kind of bad in their lives. and They're like, well, I never said I was a role model. I never, I never you know, signed up to be a role model. Well, when you became a pro athlete, you, you signed up for being a role model, like it or not. And folks, the reality is our lives affect and infect those around us, like it or not. You don't get to sign out of that. You don't get to sign out and say, hey, listen, I don't want to be a part of the human race. I'm going to be in a bubble, and I can do what I want. It doesn't affect anybody. That's just that's just goofy thinking, folks. That's just not reality. If you think the things that you do don't affect those around you, you're living in a fantasy world. We're always affecting and infecting those around us, like it or not. We're always influencing people. I was thinking about this this week, and and my son Zach and his wife Sarah came to my mind. They got married about 15 years ago, and um, Zach is just a huge baseball fan, a huge baseball fan. In fact, I remember one time he was about five and we were at some kind of a church party thing, and I said, yeah, Balboni's really, I'm giving my age here, you know, Balboni's uh, really hitting well. I think He's hitting like 286 or something like that. And he looks up at me and he goes, he went three for four last night, it's 288. I go, okay, sorry, (laughs) you know. Uh, I mean, he's that much into baseball. He's been that much into baseball since he was really, really little. When he married Sarah, uh, Sarah wasn't into baseball much, but she was into Zach. Uh, And uh, so... So I don't think Zach has ever had a conversation with her where he said, now because you're married to me, you're going to start to love baseball. And because you're married to me, you're going to go to a lot of games. And because you're married to me in the summers and when we have off because we're teachers, we're going to go to other stadiums and experience baseball there. You're just going to do that if you're going to be married. I don't think he ever had a conversation. In fact, I know he never had a conversation like that. But you know what I've, I've noticed is Sarah has grown to love baseball. Not because she was told to or made to. Zach has just affected and infected her with the baseball bug. One other example that came to my mind, which is probably not as godly, uh, and that was uh, when they first got married, uh, uh, they came over to our house for Thanksgiving. Uh, Our family tradition is we watch Christmas vacation uh, on Thanksgiving night. I know you're making a lot of judgments about me. Don't judge. It's okay. All right? Um, I have a great mute button on my clicker. So anyway, um, the first year that Sarah came, she's like, that is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. I can't even believe you guys watched that. And I've noticed something about her. In our house, the TV's kind of at the, long, at the, at the end of a long living room, and then there's a kitchen, but it's kind of open. And like the first year she sat in the kitchen, she occasionally glanced up at it and shook her head at us and thought we were all nuts. And, but I've noticed something about her. Every year, she's gotten closer and closer to the TV. And now she sits on the couch and she laughs and you know has fun with the rest of us. None of us told her she's gonna like it or else. None of us told her she had to like that movie and enjoy it or she was gonna get, be kicked out of it. It's just something that happens, folks. We affect and infect those around us. So if that's true, that means if we change our perspective of life, if we get a more gospel-centered perspective of life like Paul has, if, it, if everything in life goes through the lens of does this or does this not benefit, the expansion of the gospel in the world it's going to affect those around us. I want my life to affect those around me. I want my life to count for something and, and be important to growing the kingdom of God. I know that I can't do it alone, but I also know that if I can really have that perspective, and if I can be around good people like you and affect you and infect you with a gospel centered perspective more and more and more, you're gonna go do that too. And you're gonna have friends that you're gonna affect and infect. And you're gonna do and you just see it starts this, this wave that happens. And so, folks, it's important. That we ourselves have a gospel-centered perspective and that we share it with others. That we aren't embarrassed about it or ashamed of it. We just let it ooze out of us. Lastly, I see that the gospel should always be proclaimed no matter what. No matter what. Look what it says in verses 15 through 18. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every church, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Here Paul says that many people are preaching the gospel more because of my imprisonment. My imprisonment has caused more people to preach the gospel and I am joyful about that. I am happy about that. He also says, but you know what? Uh, Some do it for the right reason. They do it because like we just talked about, they're motivated by Paul's uh, commitment to Christ and the fact that he's gone to prison for it and, and that motivates them and spurs them on and encourages them and excites them and they're preaching the gospel for the right reason. He says, but you know what? There are some people out there that are preaching the gospel simply because everybody knows me now. I know the whole Imperial Guard. I'm connected to all of them. They all know me. They've heard the gospel from me. And some of these guys out here are preaching the gospel because they think it'll somehow elevate them. They're doing it out of envy. They want to be like me. They want what I have. They want to do what I do and be like me. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. He says, I don't care. If the true gospel is being preached, I don't care what their heart's motive is, as long as the gospel advances. You see, that's the critical thing. That's his focus. Now, when we lose a job, when you lose a job, uh, and listen, bad things are going to happen to us, folks. It just makes sense to talk about the gospel. If you lose a job, doesn't it make sense to talk about God's provision, your trust in him and and, and because of the gospel's sake, when you experience grief because of loss, doesn't it just make sense to talk about hope in Christ because of the gospel? I mean, no matter what situation we're in, we should just talk about the gospel. It's just kind of normal. Some people are encouraged for the right reason here, because they're emboldened by what Paul's doing. But these other people, they just see the attention Paul's getting, and they want it. Paul says, I don't care. I don't care about their motive. Now, listen, I have conversations a lot with, with people, pastors, ministry leaders. And, and there's some guys that go, you know, one of the problems is people come to our church for the wrong reason. They don't really come to love God and, and love Jesus and, and worship him and celebrate him. They don't come for that reason. And it bothers them. And I've even heard one guy say, I, you know, I just wish those people wouldn't come. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I hope everybody comes here, and I don't care why they come here. In fact, if you think about it, probably none of us before we knew Jesus woke up one day and go, you know, today's a pretty good day for me to start a relationship with God. I should probably find a good Bible-believing church and go there and give my life to Jesus and be connected to those people and, and, and just uh, do what God's created me. No, we don't think that way when we don't know God. People come to church for a lot of reasons. I'm going through a terrible time in my life. I just need some friends. They ought to be able to find them here. I'm going through a a terrible uh, situation of loss. I have terrible grief. I don't know what to do. They ought to find hope here. I feel like everybody's abandoned me in my life. I'm just selfish and I want somebody to love me. They ought to find love here. See, folks, the reality is, even if people come here with bad motives or wrong motives or whatever we want to call them, whatever. I don't care. When they come here, they're going to hear the gospel. And they're going to realize that there's only one answer to life's mega chaotic problems. And that's a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. There's no other answer to life's problems besides that. And so motive is not always critical. And Paul's saying, listen, I don't even care if some people are preaching the gospel if it's the true gospel. I don't even care if some people preach the gospel for a bad motive as long as the gospel's being preached. That's his lens of looking at the entire world. I'm not saying that motives don't matter all the time, folks. I'm not saying that. But listen, the gospel advancing is more important than that. The gospel must advance in our world. It has to advance in our country, in our community, in our homes, no matter what. You know, it's interesting that the first time I left America and and went to another country, uh, I went to Great Britain on business. And I worked with some British guys, and they were telling me, oh, you're going to love it. I'm not going to do my British uh, accent for you. Uh but, but, you know, all they, oh, you're going to love, it. you're going to be in the company flat. You know, they're going to take good care of you, blah, blah, blah. This is gonna, you're going to have a wonderful time in Great Britain, great history there. You're going to just love this. I was so excited to go. And I got there, was so excited to get to the company flat, and it was this dinky little apartment with a sidewalk this wide with the apartment uh, window here and the street here and a little, uh, a, a kind of a feather bed from World War II probably, a little shower that I could barely turn around in, and a black and white television with BBC Three and BBC Four. <laughs> and I thought, I have gone into the third circle of hell. This, what is this place? And of course, my expectations really, but, but I, was, I, was, I was blown away by how blessed I was. That's the moment I realized what a spoiled, rotten American I am. Now, that hasn't changed much. I've been to many other parts of the world now. I've seen how a lot of the world lives. But every time I come back to this country, I get off the plane, I kiss the ground, and I run to the nearest Taco Bell. It's just what I do, okay? <laughs> it's just what I do. But, but I share that with you folks to talk about the fact that we, we live in a very first world, and we think that our problems are really tragedies. They're really tragic. They're all first world problems. I don't mean to disparage or to, to minimize the hurt you feel, the problems you go through. I go through those too. But at the end of the month, when we're having a hard time paying a bill, you got to realize that half the world's wondering if they're going to eat tomorrow. It's a different perspective. And when I read these things about Paul and his perspective, I think Paul never experienced anything in his life like America. He never experienced a, a, a home like I have, or meals like I eat, or transportation like I. He's never experienced communication like me. I mean practically nothing in life is the same. And yet Paul was concerned about the advancement of the gospel no matter what. And even today, when all these uh, amenities are are afforded to us, we can go to other places in the world, and and missionaries, pastors, godly Christian people are experiencing life in a third world, and their problems, they make our problems just look like nothing. Nothing. And they have this focus on the gospel and the advancement of the gospel. Folks, I I as I said before, I don't want us to all become these like these weirdos who who can't fit into society anymore. I don't want that for us. But what I do want for us, what I do want for us, is for us to have lives and be known as people that can't quit talking about the gospel. We can't get out of being obsessed with the advancement of the gospel. You know, somebody asked me one time, why don't we preach more on like how to just like deal with our problems? Because my problems, my worst problems, your worst problems, they pale in comparison to the problems of somebody who dies without Christ. Folks, if we really believe there's a hell, If we really believe that when a person dies, all opportunities to receive Christ are gone, if we really believe that our friends and neighbors and loved ones around us are dying without Jesus and they're going to be separated from him for all of eternity, it should change our perspective. I think we just get so caught up in the chaos of the day-to-day stuff and focused on our tiny little problems that aren't really probably that big of a deal in the perspective of life. just get off track. Paul was concerned that the gospel advanced no matter what. So when you're scared about a situation, don't worry so much. Just worry about the advancement of the gospel. When you feel like uh, uh, you're somehow uh, going through these terrible circumstances, ask the question, How can these circumstances help advance the gospel? Uh, By the way, I tried to model this for you a couple of weeks ago because we heard between services that Ventura had been killed in an accident. And if you remember, what I said to you was, you know, our city is going to be going through some grief over the next few days. Take it as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Talk to people about life and death. Talk to people about circumstances we can't control. Talk to people about how a young man, so full of life and with such a great future, can lose it all that quick. Folks, I want us to think this way because I want us to change our world. God in us is powerful enough to change our sphere of influence, and those spheres of influence grow into a movement that can change the world. It can happen, it has happened. I want us to participate. And it all starts with having this gospel-centered perspective that we must see that the gospel advances no matter what. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Paul that challenges us, that speaks to us, that models for us. God, forgive us when we have been so consumed With our problems that are probably not that big on a world scale forgive us for getting so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't think about what you're doing in the world father we're thankful that somebody reached us with the gospel that giving my life to jesus has really transformed me and many people in this room Father, if there are those in this room who have not yet crossed over the line of faith, have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that you would put something in their heart that you would just speak to them, cause them not to leave before they talk to somebody about that today. Cause them to get that right today before they leave. Father, help us to have this gospel-centered perspective no matter what happens in life. We're gonna continue to have good days and bad days, Go through some some great experiences and some really tough ones. But, Father, help us to not get so focused on those situations that we forget that that those really don't matter in the end. The only thing that matters in the end is that the gospel advances and we see people come to know you and to give their lives to you and that your kingdom grows. God, I pray you'll, you'll keep us on that path, keep us with that perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.